Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. I'm so glad you're here. And I want to take just a moment, and I want to thank those of you who made it out uh, yesterday to my dad's memorial on behalf of our family. We're so grateful for the outpouring of love. And uh, just, I, just, I do want to give a shout out to our worship team because they did an amazing job yesterday. Um, it was so honoring. And uh, just, it, I told Pastor Seth today when he came in, I said, you really made it complicated for me because I was sad and I was proud, and I was happy all in the same time. And that's a lot of different emotions to cram into one person. So um, anyhow, very much appreciate that. And uh, super, super honored to have so many people have showed up for that. And um, just excited to hear all the stories of, of what God is doing and continuing to do. Amen? Amen. Well, we're, we're, if you've been with us over the last few weekends, you know that we've been spending some time looking at the armor of God, which we find in Ephesians chapter 6, starting verse 10. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after that, you have done, after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you'll show us exactly what we need to see. Lord, I know that there are those who are in the room right now who are in all different places in their journey with you. I know that there are those who are watching in prison, that God, maybe they don't even know you yet. God, I pray that in these moments, Father, that you'd become real to them. God, I pray for those who are, who are joining us at our, at our other campuses, and we are just so grateful, Father, for what you're doing, and we're excited to see your work. So God, I just pray, Lord, that I will get out of the way and that, Lord, you will be front and center in all that we do tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to just take a few moments, and the first thing I want us to be reminded of is the fact that Paul is writing this, and he's telling the church, you are at war. Now, I told you at the very beginning of this series that, that it would be one thing if this said, hey, you know, you are to wear the slippers of salvation and the bathrobe, you know, of peace or whatever. But that's not what it says. It, everything Paul is describing here, he is talking about weapons of war or defenses in a war scenario. And he is saying, don't let your guard down because there is a war that is raging. And I think that in the Western culture, we have gotten to a place where we have forgotten this. We have, been, we have gotten lulled to sleep into thinking that everything will always just be peaceful and calm for us. 
But as we've watched over these last few years, the enemy is pushing hard and he is doing his very best to, to introduce lies even into the church to try and bring us down. And if we are not on guard, we will be defeated. So verse 16, it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I want to take a moment, I want to think about this for just a second, because it's so important as we look at all these different elements uh, that we've been walking through over the last few weeks. Some of these could get pretty heavy, but if you know you're at war, all of a sudden it's not going to matter how much they weigh because you're going to need them. So we have, we have uh, one of our sheriff's deputies that attends the church. I talked to him and he said, hey, I can bring in my stuff. And he said, this is the stuff that's available depending on the scenario that I'm in. He said, he said the, 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 uh, the, the thing that he would wear for sure that the, that the um, why did I just forget the name of it? The vest, that's what I'm looking for right there. It's not a hard word actually. Um, <laughs> been a weekend, all right? Uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't go out without the vest. Well, and we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and how it's important for the church to realize that we are called to righteousness. Righteousness almost became like a dirty word. We're going to just be a grace church and you can just live however you want, but God is calling his church to live righteously. And so if Scott were to leave his home without his vest, I'll guarantee you what would happen is he would turn around and go get his vest because he doesn't know what the day will bring. And you need, to, you need to have the things, right? And he's got his helmet. His version of the helmet looks a little different than the version of the helmet that we had last week. He's got the belt, which is important. As you can see, that, that also holds his sword, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, but all of these things, the, the shoes that he chooses to wear, he's not putting on dress shoes when he's going out. He's wearing something that tactically will be smart in case something were to happen. So I want to talk about this for a few moments because I think this is super important for us to realize as we talk about the shield of faith. There's a lot of things that we put faith in today, but oftentimes we struggle to put faith in God. Some of the things that we put faith in, let me, let me just explain a couple of them to you. First of all, GPS on your phone, we put faith in. Right? You put in where you need to go into your phone and then it begins to talk to you and you listen. So much so that can I tell you that there have been people that have gotten lost in the woods because the GPS was wrong. There have been people that have literally driven into a lake because the GPS was wrong. I mean, I don't know where you're at in your life that you're so in tune that you think Google is so smart that even though your car is careening towards a lake, you're still going, nope, it's Google. They got to be right. <laughs> you're putting faith in all kinds of things. Can I just tell you, and I don't want to freak people out, but the reality is when you come to a, a, a traffic signal and that thing says green, you have faith that that mechanism is working so that the other side is saying stop, right? Right? Like, we don't even think twice about it. In fact, most of us, when we see green turn to yellow, that means hit the gas, right? That means that punch it. And so for many of us, we put our faith in all kinds of things. There's a lot of people that have put their faith in science, believing that whatever science says, it must be true. We've seen over the last couple of years how science is not 
doesn't always know what it's talking about. It's figuring things out as it goes. I, I was going to try and find this cover and I forgot to do it, but in Time Magazine in the 70s, they had this big, this, the front of the magazine said, the coming ice age. And it was this whole warning about how if we don't change, there's an ice age that's coming. And then, because the ice age wasn't coming, it changed to the warming of the earth. And now we just call it climate change. And I'm not, I'm just saying, science doesn't always know. But there are people that they put so much faith in science, but yet, when it comes to our faith journey with Christ, it's kind of a hit and miss. So where are you putting your faith? Listen to this translation uh, that's maybe a little different than what you're familiar with. It's in the message translation, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one and two. It says this, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. So faith is more than something you just feel. Many people confuse emotions and feelings with faith. Let me explain what that means. And sometimes we'll come to church and we'll have an emotional experience. We'll come in and, and the worship team is amazing and they sang all the right songs that made me, you know, get the warm fuzzies. And then the preacher wasn't too long and too bad. And so we, we left here and we felt some emotion. And that's good. Emotion is fine. But emotion and faith are not the same thing. Because faith needs to be there even when we're not feeling it. Even when it doesn't feel like the warm fuzzies to us, we still put our hope and our faith and our trust in God. The Bible says faith is something we do, not just something that we feel. So faith moves. So let's just say that we were to, we were to, to do an outreach. And, and if you're new to River, we do all kinds of outreaches. We have, we have a homeless ministry that goes out on, on Saturdays. We've got our food bank, which they are killing it. They are hitting record numbers every weekend now. Like 80 families last weekend alone just came through these doors to get food and, to be, and have their needs met. And I'm just watching these teams as they come and they pour out and they pour out. But can I tell you, faith takes action. We don't, we don't send people out on the street to go talk to the homeless and, and just walk up to them and say, hey, I'm sorry, your situation's hard. I'm thinking about you. I'll pray for you. That's great. Praying for them is awesome, but we also bring something to them, right? We step into their story and we say, we're gonna, we're gonna put some action behind our faith because that's what, that's what it compels us to do. When we, when we grow our faith, it should compel us to action, it should compel us to show that wherever we go. James chapter two, verse 15 says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? So why is it that we're a church that says, hey, we're gonna step into those stories and we're gonna do what needs to be done because faith compels us to. You can't, you can't just say, man, I hope your situation turns around without actually doing something to turn their situation around. Right. It doesn't take much faith to do that. It doesn't take much faith to just say, I hope things go well for you. But Jesus showed faith in practical ways. 
When we see a need, we need to do something about it. We don't just talk, talk about it. We don't just toss out a quick, I'll pray for you. And the problem with that, even that, a lot of times we'll say that to someone, I'll pray for you, and then we never do. It's, it's like a greeting almost. Oh, I'll, oh I'll, I'll pray for you. Can I just tell you, if you ever say you'll pray for put a note in your phone or somewhere that you'll see it. And as soon as you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you, write down their name and what you're going to pray for. That's right. And then the next morning when, or next time you're in prayer, you open that thing up and you actually do it. Yes. Because if we don't, what we're saying is we don't actually believe that prayer changes anything. It, I, I've told you this in here before. It irritates me when I see Christians going, I'm sending good thoughts to you. Well, you can keep your good thoughts. I don't really care about that. Pray for me. How about instead? Because that actually moves things. Your good thoughts don't do anything. That's a side note. That was free. I'm not charging you anything extra for that. But I want you to also understand something as we look at this. It is not a fortress of faith. It's a shield of faith. Why? Because it needs to be mobile. A fortress would be great. We could say, oh, set up your fortress of faith and then we could all just hunker down. That was for you, Logan. Uh, we could all just hunker down and we could, we could be in our fortress of faith. But it's a shield because God is saying, I, don't, I want you to be protected as you move forward and take ground from the enemy. But sometimes the shield is heavy. And if we live like we aren't at war, we'll begin to start to shed some of this armor. And the shield would most likely be the first thing to go because it's awkward. The other stuff we're just kind of wearing. Can I just tell you that, that weeks ago, I, was, I knew I was doing this series. And so I began to like order some stuff so that I'd have some things here. I told you last weekend, I got that little cheap plastic helmet. And then my friends at Christian Life Center lent me a good helmet. Um, <laughs> And I ordered a shield, and when the shield came, I had another Amazon moment where it was this shield right here. A little puny thing. And so I, I reached out to my friend Bob, who is an amazing guy, and I just said, hey, Bob, I got this stupid little shield, and I, could, you, could you just cut me out a piece of wood that looks like a shield, and I'll just paint it gray, and we'll do something with that. And he's like, well, you know, an actual shield would have some curvature to it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I, I don't want this to be a big project for you. And he goes, he goes, all right, well, I'm gonna run to Home Depot and let me buy some stuff and whatever. And then all of a sudden he sends me this video and he's like got, he's got wood that he's laminated together and he's got it wrapped so that it'll curve it. And he built me this shield right here. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this thing, this thing is legit. Um, it's way better than that thing. But can I tell you, if I don't feel like I'm at war, I'm not, I'm going to feel stupid carrying this thing around. Right? I mean, like if nothing's coming at me and I, you guys just like walk up to me in Walmart and I'm like walking like this, you're going to be like, what times are the services at that other church? Um, but if all of a sudden... I said to you, hey, there's a mob of people outside the doors and they are anti-God, they are anti-us and, they're, and they're, they're out there, they've got rocks, they're lighting things on fire, they're chucking them at the building. And I was to say to you like, and, and so when you leave, I've got stuff here for you. 
that you can carry. How many of you know you're not gonna care how, how awkward this looks? You're not gonna be like, oh, I kinda look like a dork with that. No, because you're gonna need it because there's things being thrown at you. So as we look at God's word, what we need to understand, it's, quick, it's easy to just quickly read that and to go, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool, you know, arrows and such, that's whatever. But imagine, let's just put it into those terms. If we were sitting here and I said, hey, pick up the shield because there's guys that are chucking stuff out there. There are people that want to hurt you. There are people that want to do you harm. There are people that are, that are throwing things that will definitely cause you harm. And I said, but I've got this if you want it. Every one of you, when you were leaving, you'd be putting on everything I could give you because you know I, in order to get where I need to go, I have to go out there. So I need the stuff. And you wouldn't worry about what it looks like at all. But here's the deal. Because we've gotten to this place that life is good, we've begun to shed the stuff. We've begun to set it to the side. We began to just say, you know what? I, maybe I don't need that right now. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and, so, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So as a follower of Jesus, what you need to understand is it is happening now. The enemy is doing everything that he can to press in and to try and bring destruction to you, to your family, to your children, to this country, to this world. And he's telling lies that we are starting to believe because we've heard them so much. And because we've set the shield down. Because we've said, I don't, I don't really need that. It's heavy, it's clunky, it's not always attractive. For some of you, you've set down the shield of faith. You pick it up when you come to church. You carry it when everybody else is carrying one because then you don't feel so dorky. But you get to work and you all of a sudden hide the, the shield of faith. You set it to the side. You don't want any of them to know that you're a person of faith. As a follower of Jesus, you have fiery darts that are coming at you all the time. Some of these darts are coming in, in all different ways, but... Satan will implant things that will, that will begin to take root in your mind. And so I want to talk about a few of these because I think these are some of the ones, obviously there's the big sin things that we could talk about. But I think for many of us as believers, we allow the enemy to take root in small ways first. And the first one is doubt. You start asking yourself, did God really say that? Can I really trust God? Isn't that just uh, an interpretation of it? And we begin to doubt his word. We begin to doubt what he said about us. All the promises and all the things that he has for us, we begin to doubt and question them. And what happens then is we get to this place that we're seeing all across the country with people who are even uh, prominent believers, they're beginning to what we call deconstruct their faith because the enemy has hit them with the dart of doubt. And as they doubt, they begin to allow more doubt to come in and more doubt to come in. The next one is discouragement. Satan tells you that you're never going to get any better or that life won't change and that why even try? He also brings in di uh, difficulty into your life. Why does he do that? So that when it gets hard, we begin, to, we begin to ask God, if you really love me, why would hard things happen to me? For some of you, it's, it's brought you to a place of even depression where you tell yourself it's not worth it and it's not worth even fighting anymore because everything you do seems to not work. 
And I'm telling you right now, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And the devil wants to discourage you. He wants to take you out. He wants to get control of your mind. Because as soon as he gets your mind, he gets your direction. So how do we handle these darts? We pick up the shield of faith. It's the only protection that we have against doubt, discouragement, depression. We gotta trust God no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter how we feel. You need the certainty of God when you face the uncertainty of Satan's fiery darts. So in short, you'll need to doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. Most people do just the opposite. They doubt their beliefs and they believe their doubts. This is important because it's in the middle of that when you're in the middle of the fight and you begin to believe the lie, you begin to believe the doubt, you believe to believe, uh, begin to believe the things that the enemy is saying to you that all of a sudden then your belief comes into question. And as we look at this, what God is saying, believe me even when you don't see it. Even when it's not happening the way you think it should in the moment. People were commenting about the memorial yesterday and how it was amazing like just to watch as we as a family were worshiping and I, this has got to be so hard and it is hard, super hard. But can I tell you, it's never changed our belief. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that we know that God is in control. It doesn't change the fact that no matter what's happened, even though it's not the way we would have written the script, we trust him and we know that he is good and that he is God and he is always in control. There's a bumper sticker that I saw once that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And that's a nice sentiment, but the reality is it should only be two of those things. God said it and that settles it. Because it actually doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Truth is truth. The good thing about God is he's not into this new woke stuff. It's not if you believe it, then it's true. It's if he said it, then it's true. God's truth isn't based on whether you believe it or not. It's still true even when you don't believe it because God can't lie. So you need that kind of certainty in difficult days. With the shield of faith, you can have certainty that God's promises are true, even when they don't appear to be true in your life. And whenever you start to believe your doubts and, you're, and start doubting your belief, Satan cracks a door open in your life. And he'll use that door to attack you on many levels. But if we actually believe what Paul says here, when he tells us that the enemy is going to continually throw darts at us, then we would, we would know to carry the shield of faith. Yes. That we should never put it down. We should always have it with us. It doesn't matter what crowd you're walking into. It doesn't matter what people will think about you. It doesn't matter any of those things because if you knew that at any time the darts could be coming, you wouldn't put this thing down. You wouldn't settle for it being less than the most important thing to you. And can I tell you, with that faith should grow. Imagine this shield uh, and, and you're in a world where arrows are flying at you continually. Do you want the shield to grow bigger or do you want it to shrink? 
Faith is either growing or it's shrinking. Your faith does not stay the same. So when you put your, what you put your effort and your, your energy into is what grows inside of your life. So if your hobbies are the most important thing to you, then you will become the best at whatever your hobby is. But if you put your energy into your faith growing, then your shield will grow. If faith is a side note to you in your story, then it will shrink. Romans chapter 12, verse three says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. So we are to be honest about our faith and where we're at. For some of us, what we've done is we've come to a place where we have said, I go to church on a pretty regular basis. I sometimes open my Bible. I occasionally pray and I'm good with it. And can I tell you what's happening is your shield is shrinking and the enemy is hitting you a lot of times and you are not even aware that he's hitting you because you continually allow your shield to shrink. Can I just tell you that when I am battling with weight loss, one of the things that I find myself doing on occasion is I will stop getting on the scale because I don't wanna know. I'm like, oh man, I ate a lot this weekend, so I'm not getting on the scale, I don't wanna know. Can I tell you, that doesn't actually make me lighter. <laughs> not knowing doesn't change anything. If I gained five pounds, I still gained five pounds, whether I got on the scale or I didn't get on the scale. Paul is saying, you need to be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. You need to, you need to hold yourself accountable. You need to pay attention. Paul tells us to be honest and to look at ourselves. And, and here's the thing, as a pastor, I watch people who will start to slowly pull themselves back from church. They'll miss a weekend here, they'll miss a weekend there, then they miss two weekends, three weekends. Why is that? It's because they don't want to be measured. When you come regularly, you're, not, you're, not, you're, not, uh, you're in a place where you're hearing God's word preached, and in that it makes your faith grow, but also what you should be doing is getting challenged in your faith, and so all of a sudden when you step back, you go, actually, it wasn't too bad to miss a weekend. Oh, actually, it wasn't that bad to not read my Bible that week. Oh, actually, it's not that bad to miss two weekends. And pretty soon we're like, hey, I feel a lot better about myself, right? Because I'm not measuring. That's me not getting on the scale. If I keep eating and eating and eating and eating and I never get on the scale, I'm still getting fat. I gotta measure myself so that I know what's actually going on in my life. Because I may feel, hey, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Then you've ever had those days, you get on the scale and you're like, ah, I'm not doing so good. What's the deal? My scale lies. My scale lies. <laughs> but oftentimes what happens is we begin to pull ourselves back because we don't want to be measured. If I come, all of a sudden I, I'm accountable to something. I'd rather stay back. I'd rather not hear it. The verse also tells us that God is the one who gives us faith. He's the one that gives us a roadmap to more faith. What are, the, what are the ways that we get more faith? It's through his word, it's through his people, it's through his voice. We gotta spend time around other people of faith. Can I tell you, if you don't have people in your life that are, that are ahead of you in the journey of faith, you need to get some. Because they'll push you. 
They'll make you think in ways that you didn't think. It was amazing to me to have Ted and Ida here from Malawi. Love them. Had such a great time with them. But can I tell you, one of the things that I learned about them is, is that they have just come to this place where they said, what we want doesn't matter. We're going to just do what we feel like God's telling us to do. And they made their way. Ida came by herself when, they, when she first came to the United States on this trip. She was here for a month do, traveling around for her uh, foundation. But she arrived in Washington, D.C. And she tells me this story. She said, I didn't, I didn't bring a single dollar with me. She traveled from Malawi, Africa, to the United States. She didn't have a dollar. She didn't have anything. She didn't even have their money. She had nothing. She arrived in Washington, D.C., and she, she got to the airport, and she had two big bags because she's going to be here for a month. And she stood there, and she said, oh, I need one of those carts. So she walked over to the cart thing, and it says $6. And she goes, I don't have $6. So you or I, we would probably figure out how can we stack the suitcases, still make our way to the curb. That's not what Ida did. Ida stopped there and she said, God, you brought me here. You need to take care of me now. There it is. There it is. Can I tell you, a minute later, a guy came over. He had three carts and he said, hey, I, I rented three carts and I only need two. I'm assuming it looks like you could use one. And I said, Ida, that's amazing. And she goes, no, that's just God. We need to surround ourselves with people of faith because that's where our faith grows. Some of you are like, why do you push so hard about going to church? Is this so that the attendance can be? No, it's for you. It's important that we're here because what's happening when you come here, what should be happening is you come in and you, you make relationships with people. And hopefully it'll be people that some will be a little behind you in the faith journey and you can help pull them forward. Some will be a little ahead of you in the faith journey and they can help pull you forward. Then you're gonna come in and you get to spend time in worship. What is worship? Worship is a moment that we get to spend time reflecting on the goodness of God. And we get to remind ourselves of how good and strong he is. And then we get to spend time in his word. And as we spend time in his word, it should challenge us. It should strengthen us. So as you come to church, why am I pushing so hard for church? Because it makes your faith grow. It makes your shield bigger so that when the arrows come at you, you can stand. Faith is taught through experience. Can I just tell you this, this morning... Uh, if you were at the memorial, we had an amazing uh, man by the name of Sam Johnson that came and he spoke at the memorial and he was at our house. So I woke up this morning, he had to get on the airplane. And so got up at five in the morning, we were driving to the airport. I'm half asleep. He's, he's already wide awake and telling me stories. But in the middle of that, he stops and he said, he said, Jason, I just want to tell you how impressed I am with your boys and your kids. And I said, oh, that, that's cool. And he said, he said, I'm 82 years old. And he said, uh, I'm looking back on my life and there's very few things that are of any importance. And he said, but the biggest one is having my children serve Jesus and pursue his call. And he said, I, he goes, there was cars that I fought to own. There were houses that I wanted really bad. There was all kinds of status things that I, that I felt like I needed. He said, there were hobbies that I participated in that I made really important. And he said, but at the end of the day and at the end of getting near the end of my life, I look back and the only thing to me that really matters is that I did the best that I could to do what God called me to do and to have children that are doing the same. 
We teach faith through experience. Your children see you. It doesn't matter how many times Miss Nikki gets them down at that end if what's being taught at home is not the same as what's being taught in that room. Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Matthew chapter 18, verse six says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it will be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. As parents, we can be guilty of causing our children to stumble, not by teaching them, by not teaching them about the shield of faith. See, when our kids are little, it's our shield that protects them. They're here and we're protecting them. But as they get older, they gotta have their own shield. Because can I tell you, you're sending your child to battle every day. Your child is going to the school system. Your child is going to the neighbor's house. Your child is watching things on Disney+. Plus. Your child is watching things on Netflix and on YouTube. So every day the enemy is shooting arrows at your child. And if you're teaching them, my shield doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter, I'll let it shrink. I don't really care about it that much. Then can I tell you, their shield will not be bigger than yours. Some of you wish you went to the concert tonight. Some of you spend more time talking to your children about techniques they need for their sporting events than you do about how to wield a shield of faith. And maybe you bring them to church most of the time, but how much faith is talked about in your home? Because I'll tell you right now, those arrows will keep coming. On Friday, we had the opportunity to celebrate my dad's life. And if, you, if you've seen anything on there, the word that keeps coming up is legacy. And I said it yesterday, I wasn't planning on saying it at the memorial, but that legacy doesn't happen by accident. You don't just fall into legacy. Legacy is work. Legacy is hard. So as I, I had people come up and they would say things like, your, your dad was, was amazing and, and they'd tell me their story of something about my dad and then they would, say, they would say, you're carrying the legacy and all of those things and you're so fortunate and I am fortunate, I was super fortunate to have the dad that I did. But what happens sometimes is people will say to me, you're so fortunate that your kids are following Jesus. I am fortunate but I also worked at it. See, that's easy to go, oh, you're just fortunate. No, it's not by luck that that happened. It's by being the bad guy a lot of times. Shannon and I had to make decisions that were hard. When I was growing up, my dad made decisions for me that were not decisions I wanted. Some of those decisions included, I remember I had, I had sports and, and there were Wednesday night, there was an occasional Wednesday night game. And I, would, I remember one time I went in and I started to put on my baseball uniform. I was getting ready to go to the game and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to my game. And he said, no, it's youth group night. You're not going to your game. I was like, okay, what? I can't go to the, I'm just going to one game. And he goes, no, you're not missing church to go play a game. 
Now, for some of you, you're like, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Can I tell you, we had a playoff game on a Sunday. They moved it. It was a rain out on a Saturday. They moved it to a Sunday morning. He said, you're not going. You go, oh, one time wouldn't have hurt. You know what? Maybe it would have hurt. My dad made a decision for me. He said, listen, we are, as for me and my house, this is the most important thing. And so even, can I tell you, I, I couldn't even tell you who we were playing. I don't know what the outcome was, but I do know this, that my dad took a stand and he said, God first. Amen. And he taught me by example. He walked it out. When he had a day off and he wasn't going to preach on a Sunday, he didn't go and, and, and say, oh, I'm going to take the weekend off and we're going to go for a hike. No, we went to church. Can I tell you, my dad had season tickets to the Seahawks. We lived in Auburn, Washington. My dad would preach two services. He'd have his office. He'd have a change of clothes. We'd get in the car. We'd drive 45 minutes to get to where the thing was and we'd miss the first quarter of the game, but then we'd watch the rest. And can I tell you back then the Seahawks were horrible, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> they were. Let's be real. But there wasn't a like, well, I'll get somebody else to preach for me so I can go do that. No, it was this first, then whatever else. See, the thing about it is, even for our kids, I remember when, when Hunter was younger and we were starting River. And, and he would go, hey, I want to go and I want to go sleep over at a friend's house. And one of the questions we'd always ask is, which friend and do they go to church? And if they do, where? Yep. And if they said, oh, yeah, they go to this church. And it was one that we're, okay, cool, you can go. But if they said, oh, no, my friend, that friend doesn't go to church. Then you go, okay, well, you can come and sleep at our house. And then they can go to church with us. And can I tell you that happened over and over and over again? And can I tell you the guy that was standing right here playing this guitar today? He kept sleeping over at our house. <laughs> he kept having to come to church with us. And all of a sudden he was like, hey, I'm just going to keep going to church. Why? Because we need the shield. Our children need the shield. The shield will not be more important to your kids than it is to you. You're not going to like just be able to, I'm going to live however I want. I'm going to do whatever makes me happy, whatever makes me comfortable, and just hope that through osmosis, my children will understand faith. It's through example that they understand faith. That's where they get it. You don't get to just say, oh, because I, I see it. I see people who were raised in the church who, who have that experience where they knew every weekend. It's not even a question. When I was growing up, there was no question. I didn't go, hey, what are we going to do on Sunday? No. <laughs> We're going to church. We're going to church. Not a question at all. And my kids, not a question. And guess what happened? They loved this place. They couldn't wait to get here. Why? It's where their friends were. They, they, they knew this place. When I was a kid, I knew my church inside and out. I knew every good hiding place. I knew all the things. Right? Not everything that I, I wasn't like I was just some spiritual kid. Running. No, I was having fun, but I was at church. And I learned. And then I passed it on. And now you are in charge of your children. What are you passing on? 
Are you passing on that this is optional, that this, when it's convenient, when it fits into what I want to do, when it, when it feels like it's something that's of interest to me, then we do it. But when I feel like sleeping in, when I feel like not being there, then we're going to skip it. Can I tell you, their shield will not be bigger than your shield. And things are coming at your kids. And if we were looking at this in a, in a purely physical thing, if I was to say to you, your children are going to go to school on Monday and, and there are going to be people chucking stuff at them that could hurt them in really bad ways, would you say, oh, nah, they don't need the shield? No, you'd be giving them everything that you could to protect them. So we have to understand the importance of this particular part of the armor. It is, it is so important because your children are not going to get their faith through your DNA. Amen. Your parents pushed church. Your, your parents pushed being in the word, pushed talking to Jesus. And so you grew up and you understood it maybe. And now you're like, oh yeah, they get it. No, they don't get it. They see what you're doing. So what are you doing? Are you teaching them? Are you showing them? Or are they learning from you that it's okay to just not worry about it? Because I'm telling you, having been a youth pastor for as long as I was a youth pastor, the day will come where then you will sit in my son's office and you will wonder what's going on with my kid. Why is my kid questioning that? Why is my kid acting like that? Why is my kid not sure about their identity? Why is my kid all these things? And you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna point back and say, where were you? Yeah, that's it. Ooh, some of you are quiet. All right. <laughs> we're at war. Yeah, we are. We are. There's a battle raging. And the church needs to realize it because it isn't going to get better. It's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. It's like every time that you turn on the news, there's something new that you're like, even, even six weeks ago, I wouldn't even imagine that we'd be there, let alone six years ago. Like how far we're moving so fast. The song that we sang, You Are the Light, that the darkness can't deny. Why is the darkness pushing so hard? Because it's the one thing that destroys darkness is light. So if he can shut down the church, we are the light. And if he can shut us down, then all of a sudden darkness prevails. And it's time for us to stand. It's time for us to fight. It's time for us to realize that there is an enemy, but the thing about darkness and light is this. Light is never afraid of darkness. Hallelujah. I've said this in here before, but it's absolutely true. If you walk into a room in your house and it's dark and you flip on the switch, it's light, right? Church needs to flip on the switch Hallelujah. because the light doesn't beg the darkness to go away. It just outshines it. It's time for us to outshine the darkness. It's time to be who he's called us to be. I'm gonna have the worship team come up and start getting ready to sing, but I, uh, I'd asked them earlier on because I knew that part of this message was gonna be really about family and understanding that we have been given a task 
For those of you who are in the room and maybe you don't have kids, can I just tell you that even for us in society, we are, we are to look out for those within our church family and within our body that we can, we can be the ones that would teach them and train them and show them what it is to carry the shield of faith. So yesterday, they, they, the worship team sang the song, The Blessing, over everyone that came to the memorial. And it was just this powerful moment. And so I asked Pastor Seth, could we end the gathering this weekend by singing that song again? And here's what I want you to hear from me. I'm, I want, and, and I know that this team, they're praying blessing generation after generation after generation over you. But can I tell you the thing about the blessing is it comes with responsibility. We don't get to just do whatever we want and then it just happens to us. We've got to believe it. We've got to walk it out. We've got to trust that God's word is true and we've got to teach our children so that the blessing does go generation to generation to generation. God, we thank you so much for your word. I pray, Father God, that challenge us, teach us, God, that we wouldn't be satisfied with where our faith is today, but that, God, you would grow it. God, I just even think of that simple story of Ida, and as simple as that is, it's even in the small things to say, I trust you, God. The things that we could maybe figure out on our own to just say, I don't need to figure it out on my own because I've got a heavenly Father who can do all things. So God, teach us to grow our faith Teach us to teach our faith. Show us priority. Help us to be what you're asking us to be. And Lord, as we close this time with what is really just a prayer of blessing, pray God that we'll do our part, that we'll step into that, that we'll understand that God, you're calling us, you're compelling us forward. And Lord, you didn't give us a fortress of faith, but you gave us a shield so we can move. God, help your church to move. Help your people to stand. Help your people to do what you're calling us to do. God, we give you all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand? And I just want you to, as they're singing this over you, I want you to just accept it. I want you to believe it. I want you to say, God, that's what I want for my family. I want to I wanna walk in it. I want to trust you. And I want to do what you're needing me to do so that it will be generation upon generation upon generation. Let's sing. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.